The Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what UAW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Podcast. I'm Big Jace, and I'm joined, as always, by my main man, Jared Jones, and the big boss man, Joe Aguirre. What's going on, guys? First of all, let me say, the new Open, uh, I love it to death, and I especially love that I come up with the Mods of Adal <laughs> knee to Atkins' face. That's my favorite thing about it, Jace. I love it. I knew you'd love that. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> All right. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to the most recent fight that happened. The Bellator Super Fight. As Gegard Musasi reclaims his Bellator middleweight championship after defeating welterweight champ Douglas Lima via unanimous decision. This was a great fight. Uh, the the it really just came down to Musasi having the advantage on the ground in my opinion, but uh, honestly I think these two guys I, I I might put Lima as the best welterweight in all of MMA and I might put Musasi very very close behind uh, Stylebender Adesanya. What'd you think of the fight, Jared? And what'd you think of these two guys? Oh, uh, good fight, real good fight. I thought it was a case of where Masasi was just a little bit, a uh, little bit bigger, a little bit bigger guy, so that when they were in close and on top of each other, he was able to dominate those segments. Uh, that being said, yeah, that Lemus might still be the best welterweight. And how far, how far, how far do we go? When do we cross promote the uh, MMA organizations? How big does Bellator have to get? Before we start asking questions about uh, how Musasi would do with uh, Adesanya and so forth. I thought this was a great fight, striking, kicking, wrestling. Lima was there too, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, I, I, I didn't see it the way you guys saw it. And I definitely, you know, this was either a 50-45 or a 49-46 fight for sure. I don't know what Lima's game plan was. The, the backpedaling, uh, the occasional leg kick, which really didn't have any effect on Musasi until late in the fourth, at which point he did nothing with it. And then when he actually started, when he landed a couple nice leg kicks in the fifth and Musasi just took him to the ground where he kept him. It's funny. I think Musasi landed 28 strikes in the fight and I would bet 14 of them were on his back while Musasi pinned him to the ground because he had gassed himself from the ass kicking he put on Lima for the first three and three quarters rounds, Lima put up to me a lackluster effort uh, in a championship fight. I mean, I, I I didn't understand what his game plan was, or you know, I, I suppose he was waiting to strike late. Maybe he thought he was going to hurt Musasi with the leg kicks, but it was mostly an ineffective strategy. When he threw his hands up at the end of the decision, I thought, "Are you out of your mind, bro?" You think that you think you won more than one round of that fight? Are you serious, dude? At, at best, 
at best, he was 58, uh, 48, 47. And I think even that was being generous just because he inflicted some damage in the fourth. I thought Musasi pretty much dominated this thing start to finish. Even when he got hit, uh, he was able to just take Lima to the ground and, and, and hold him at bay. This was not a great fight from Lima at all. Nine times out of ten, unless you're dealing with a Khabib or uh, the, the Adesanya, those upper echelon guys, this is what you're going to get when a when a great middleweight uh, fights a great welterweight. Uh, it was reminiscent of Marquez and Mayweather, where it's like, yeah, this guy's a great fighter in his own right, but he's just not big enough to be in the ring with, you know, his, and it, it, that was obvious to me that that size advantage they live in different weight classes their living weight is different from one another so it was obvious to me every time they grabbed a hold of each other that one guy was bigger built bigger than the other yeah for sure also going from 170 to 185 that's a big jump 15 pounds so it it, it is a lot i I, th- I still think both these guys are up there with anyone the ufc has in their in their respective divisions and uh, I, I'm excited to see how Lima bounces back, how Musa, where Musasi goes from here. And I, I really want to see Musasi get back into the UFC. And I, I would love to see Douglas Lima take on someone like Usman. I, I want to see them in the UFC because these guys are top world class talent. Well, and does that ever? Does that? Do they have to go over to the UFC? I mean, is there ever going to come a time? That was my question. That no, I'll answer it now. No, no. It, it it takes a it takes a big fight for me to really check out Bellator. There there's so, already so much with the MMA that I it, I don't want to call it the minor leagues, but it's almost like the minor leagues of MMA. I you know it's like you got to prove yourself in Bellator. I don't watch AAA. I love baseball. I certainly don't watch AAA baseball on TV. You know what I mean? This is a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, a fight like this I'm into, but if it wasn't these guys, I wouldn't have watched it. True. When's the last time you saw an amateur MMA match? Right. Here you go. Right. But going on from the Bellator middleweight division, let's talk about the UFC middleweight division. Where in the co-main event of UFC 254, Robert Whitaker defeats Jared Cannonier via unanimous decision. And I, I tweeted it out right after the fight. This is a fight I just wanted to see go an extra round. Go go the five rounds. Make it a main event. Because, boy, Cannonier, he, he sensed that urgency when it came down to the end, and he started unleashing, and that's why most of the judges gave him that last round. But, like, just think of just two extra rounds. If Cannonier, something might something special might happen for Cannonier. Cannonier. But the, the two rounds prior to that last round, Whitaker just outclassed him. Yeah, I'd expect it to get worse if it goes further. Whitaker versus Cannonier. I'd expect Cannonier to to tire faster. He was actually craftier and more skillful than what I thought we were going to get. But I think for the large part, we were right. This is one guy with a little more skill and one guy with a little more strength. And you put your money on the skill over the strength because it's an MMA match and not a street fight. Uh, yeah, I'll say this. Look, I, I called this thing. This played out exactly the way I said it was going to that Whitaker and Kennedy were going to bang and that Whitaker would outlast him. It's exactly what happened. 
So not nothing about it shocked me, and and you could have given him five more rounds. I don't think I just don't think Cannoneer's got enough power, especially with somebody with the chin of a Robert Whitaker. Whitaker loves to bang. Again, if you're just gonna bang with a banger, you're not gonna you're probably not gonna get too far with it. Now, as far as the rematch with Adesanya, I rewatched the fight two days ago, hoping that maybe I could find something. Uh, Whitaker does what he does, uh, led with the left, tries to throw the overhand right. Um, he brought it, but uh, Adesanya is clearly a better striker, nearly knocked him out at the end of the first round. Um, you know, knocked him out in round two. I love Whitaker. Uh, I love the fact that he stands in the pocket, but you're not doing it with Israel Adesanya. You can't do it with a guy who's got the, the, the size, the, the reach and the, the kickboxing and striking skills. Robert Whitaker needs a different plan. If you watch the, the Gastelum fight, that, that was the way to go. Uh, Kevin Gastelum fought a great fight against Israel Adesanya it's it's to me it's the method that you should take when you get in trouble you you're gonna have to take this guy to the ground if you just stand there and you're gonna bang you're gonna see exactly what happened in the first Whitaker Adesanya fight and Whitaker's gonna get a beating so he he really better he better watch the 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 tape like I did and realize that the only way that he's even got a chance is if he changes things up the the standing in the pocket without Asanya, I, I can't for the life of me understand why anybody continues to do that with this guy. It, it makes zero sense, literally. Well, and change it to what is? Does Whitaker have enough of a enough of a good enough skill set? I just think Adesanya is on another level. I think when you say there's a couple guys' names that when you say them. They're just on another level. Adesanya is one of those. Uh, does, should he get the rematch? Yeah, I guess. But it's unfortunate that this is the best we have for Adesanya in his weight class. Well, it's it, it's only it's only that way because we know what's going to happen. That Whitaker's going to go in there and try to bang with him, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And and so that's why we're like, nah. you know, the thing about Musasi is I, I mentioned you know just a minute ago. You know, when Lima finally got did a little damage for once, landed one. Dude, Lima went. I mean, uh, Musasi just wrapped his legs and took him to the ground. When 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 Israel Adesanya is beating you, you don't have to even be a good wrestler. D just get him down so he stops beating you up, oh, yeah. and then maybe maybe you can do something from there. Maybe you get back up. I mean, I I don't know, but to me, at least if you're disrupting the flow, it it might, or at least getting down on the ground where you can catch your breath and not get beat up so much. I'd expect that from a layman. To go after him, you know, to to get close enough to him where he stops generating that kind of momentum before he stings me. I, I think anybody would figure that out. So I, I agree with you. It baffles me from time to time when guys don't go, let me duck a couple of these high hard ones and see if I can do something different than what I'm doing. The, the middleweight division in the UFC now is a division of strikers. And Adesanya is the best striker in the division. That's why he has the championship. So I, I need to see him against a wrestler. I need to see someone who's going to take him down and smother him or at least try to try to make him work his ground game. Because you hear in interviews, Adesanya is all like, I, 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 I got submissions. I, I got some jujitsu. But you're going up against strikers and you're not really being tested on the ground. So I want to see it. So and, what would you like to see? 
That's the thing. There's no one in this division. It's all strikers. No one's wrestling. I would love no, the, to the, the shame is, is that there are guys who have those skills, but who just who just want to stand up and strike. And if yeah, again, for the right. life of me, when Don't you're fighting Adesanya, no, that's the wrong guy to str- do. Right? Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you had to go around with Mike Tyson, I mean, right? You're not going to stand in there and bang with Tyson. You're gonna you're gonna just wrap your arms around him and and hold him as much as humanly possible. When you're fighting Israel Adesanya, I mean, you're you're pretty much in range no matter where you're standing. That's a problem for yeah. almost everybody he's gonna face. Well, he's got he's got a reach, I believe, on par with Muhammad Ali's. I think he's seventy nine to Muhammad Ali's eighty. That's a guy that's gonna hit you a lot. And we know he's we know we know the 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 athleticism of this guy. If you're if you're just gonna stand there and think you're gonna knock this guy out with you're out of your mind. And again, it's why he's dominated this thing as much as he has. Yeah, well, and the best wrestlers. Behind him in that division in the top 10 are probably Gastelum and Chris Weidman. And I don't want to see either one of those fights. I don't think either one of them can turn it into the type of Sosa, maybe, Jacare, but uh, I'm not sure any of those guys could turn it into the type of fight that, that we're talking about here. I, I don't know. No. This is a different kind of beast. I, I, I think the one person that stylistically is the worst matchup for Adesanya is Musasi in, in Bellator. I, I think he has the ability to take him down to the ground and, and pummel him. And speaking of taking people down to the ground and pummeling, we got the undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov defends his lightweight title, becoming the undisputed champ. And look at this picture right here. Falls to the ground, crying. He just lost his dad due to complications with COVID. His mother told him not to take the fight, just retire. He goes, he submits Justin Gaethje in the second round with a triangle choke. That's something I've never seen him do. And he's just so overcome with emotions. It goes he did there's a lot more big bigger things than sports with this fight and you saw his emotion bring down crying and uh he retired after the fight so this is gonna bring into the big big theme of today's show is Khabib appreciation day we are appreciating what Khabib has done for the sport Jared what'd you think of the fight just another, the guy is a class act, inside and outside the octagon, and one of the greatest ever. And, um, I mean, we talk about John Jones, right? Um, remember his five-rounder with uh, Gustafson? Who's Khabib's Alexander Gustafson? When was he challenged like that? We just never saw it. I think years from now, right now, we're in the mix of it and maybe not able to see it as clearly as we will. But I think if he doesn't come back 10, 15 years from now, you're going to have to look back and put this guy on the on a very short all-time greats list. Another fight, by the way, I called to a T. I said a second round choke. And the interesting thing is I shared this with you guys, um, I think the day after the fight, um, Khabib 
knew Justin wouldn't tap out and and actually had him set up for uh, an arm bar and knew he would have to break Justin's arm to end the fight. And being the guy that Khabib is, decided to turn it into a triangle choke because he didn't want to hurt Justin in front of his parents. And I watched an interview with uh, uh, Daniel Cormier and, uh, you know, because I thought the, I said this to you guys before I heard what, what, what Cormier said to have the wherewithal and the amazing ability to have the thought that I don't want to like, this is what Khabib's doing in a fight. I don't want to hurt him because his family's here. I'll, I'll just choke him out. He'll wake up and everything will be all right was what DC said. And I thought that was so cool. And it, and it choked me up. Um, Khabib lost two rounds in his career. And, and it's funny when I tell you the two rounds, one was the first round to Connor. If you can believe that. Yeah. And then the second one was the first round to Justin Gaethje. That's it. So when we talk about the most dominant fighter of all time, you're talking about a guy who's 29 and 0, and I know he doesn't have 16 title defenses uh, or whatever John's is or the 16 win streak that, that Anderson had. Dude, Khabib is on another level. Another level. And for anybody who thinks that this is this is another Connor or Mayweather or Brett Favre retirement, let me tell you something. Don't be disrespectful. You don't know anything about the Dakistani people. When my man said he gave his word to his mom, bond that you'll never see Khabib in a ring again. He doesn't need the money. He has nothing to prove. I love GSP, but you'd get murdered. You'd get murdered because that's what Khabib does. Where's my pardon the interruption button? I'll tell you what, I told you guys this before. I didn't like Khabib until I did. And my brother said to me the other day, um, it, it, it just seems like that's something that would happen. You'd start liking a guy, and instead of him losing, he retires. Um, that seems to be the thing. When I get into a fighter, they they tend to lose. And in this case, just when I was loving this guy, uh, he hangs him up. And, and, I, and I truly believe uh, this is the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I know we're going to kind of get into the into our rankings in a little bit, uh, and and it'll it'll reflect. Uh, and again, look, I you know, Jared, you got you both know me. I love John Jones. I love John Jones, but Khabib's better than John Jones. Plain and simple, he's had a better career. He's dominated everybody, not almost everybody, but everybody in every fight. There's never been a time where you were like, did Khabib win that one? I'm not. He did. Thoroughly, every time out. There's no Gustafson on his record. John Jones has a Gustafson. Khabib doesn't. It was your brother Tony who said to me uh, that that Roy Jones Jr. was, was, he was saddened by the way that end. You know, he diminished his legacy. And a lot of guys did that from Duran to Ali. Um, Stuck around a little too long. And it started to occur to me how many guys would be in that conversation if they hadn't stuck around too long. 
that we're we're subject to their record of wins and losses and not what weight class they were in and Loma. You know, we touched on it last week as being in the conversation for pound for pound still with a 13 and two record. You know how many guys throughout history, not like he's done it, but in, in different ways have stuck around a little too long to be in that conversation. If Khabib follows through with this, and I believe you, Joe, there's a lot more chance he does than if Joe Schmo had said it. Um, Cause this guy has, has class. I believe his word means something when he gives it to his mom. So uh, I got I got to take his word for it, and I think he's got to go down, like you said, as one of the goats of the game, if not the. What real quick? One of my all time favorites. I mentioned it before is Roy Jones Jr. And you know, I think we all wish that Roy made this sort of decision that Khabib made, where I'm done. I've done everything I needed to do. Like Rocky Marciano, you clean out the division, you leave no doubt. And you go home while you still got your wits about you. Ride off into the sunset. I, I say honestly, to me, best best wishes on an amazing life for Khabib. And and I would bet, I would bet that there's a Khabib Jr. there somewhere who we'll see in the next 15, 20 years. No, make no mistake about that. For sure. The Khabib is a guy. I mean, Loma just lost, but the, he's very similar to Loma. You look at Loma and you can appreciate the sweet science of boxing. You can appreciate the art of not getting hit. With Khabib, like we, we've talked about on the show, the, the, the wrestlers before him, Josh Koshtex, other guys, they just grab you, bring you down, lay on you, tell you got tired, then maybe sink a choke in. This is a guy who would pound on you. Pound on you, talk smack, tell you, no, this is my time. Get out of here. Just quit. This dude, he he's another level than everyone else. And, Joe, you, you hinted at it. We got a who you got this week. And with the uh, John Jones talking smack about the UFC choosing to put Khabib at number one pound for pound. Listen, I'm going full screen here by myself. Because I've got a message for you, John Bones Jones. You are a sack of shit, eight balls, and gas station dick pills. You are nowhere near the man that Khabib is, and you are not at all pound for pound. Khabib never, never lost a title. You've lost a bunch of titles, not even in the cage. And you're going to sit here, oh, I got more title fights. Sure, that's all cool. But this dude lost two two rounds, arguably two rounds. You I'm, you could say zero. This man has not lost a ring, lost a match. I mean, lost a round, lost a fight. This man has pummeled everyone he's been up against. You've done nothing. Jared mentioned it. You got the Gustafson fight. The... I, I don't know. Maybe the judge, you, the you, the judge, the judges had your balls in his mouth, in their mouths, because I, I don't see how that that you you could have even won that fight. That's arguable. So, with that being said, like, what he is not just a better pound for pound fighter than you, John Jones. He's a better person. So don't talk. Let him have his moment. Let him retire. Let him go out on top. I don't need you on Twitter talking crap because he is the greatest fighter 
fighter of all time. Holy crap. Okay. Speaking of that. Who How you, you feeling? Got? You better? I feel really good. All right. It had to be said. It did. Fuck you, John Jones. Dude, okay. I, I, you're, you're, I, I, I'm telling you, again, I love John Jones a lot. I was so disappointed to hear him running his mouth. Like you said, let this is the week for him to run his mouth. This is the week. Next week, maybe. Not that day. Yes. Have some respect. When I first heard it, is, is this guy, like, not right now. Even if you're right. Even if you have a, that's like a half-decent argument. Not right now, dude. No. These guys couldn't be more polarizing for me. We just talked about how much class Khabib has when he switches from armbar to triangle choke so that he doesn't have to break this man's limb in front of his family versus John Jones, who can't let this dude shine for a day when he wins 29 straight fights and arguably loses two rounds, as Chase just so eloquently highlighted. This was classless, shameless. I, I like John Jones less and less. I mean, he, he, he's the Floyd Mayweather of the M of MMA. I've said it before. Was just going to bring that name up. I love what he does inside. He's an artist. Beats from bell to bell. I love him. And every other time, you're, you're those things that Jay said. I'm going to take the hot. Khabib went, like you mentioned earlier, Joe, he switched from the arm bar to the triangle choke to spare Gaethje's parents the fact of seeing his broken arm. John Jones went and made fun of Daniel Cormier's dead father in a in an interview leading up to the fight. The, they're on two completely different levels, both in the cage and as human beings. But let's get into the topic. We got a two-parter for who you got. First part's going to be with this whole big controversy that John Jones is in the center of. We'll start off with you, Jared. We did it last week for boxing. Who is your pound for pound in the UFC? Pound for pound. Top five pound for pound in the UFC. Five, probably going to surprise you guys, Peter. Jan. Damn. Uh, at number four, I got Kasim Usman. Number three, John Jones. As much as I hate to do it, it's bell to bell. When we're talking about pound for pound, I can't put any of that other stuff in there. Two is Adesanya and one is Khabib. All right. I'll give you mine. Khabib off the list because he's retired. No, Khabib deserves it. Yeah. So listen, I've got I've got the list done twice. I've got it with Khabib at number one, and then if you were to press me and take Khabib off at number one, I've got that too. Uh, so I'll give you the list. I'll give you the Khabib list. My Khabib list list since he's retired now. Uh, my number five is Amanda Nunes. That's who who was somebody I had on the outside of my top five before there was an opening, and it just makes sense I would put her in there. Yeah. Uh, number five, uh, number four, rather, is Usman. Uh, number three, I got Estipe. Number two is Adesanya. And as much as you're going to all hate to hear this, my new number one, John Bones Jones. And I'll tell you what. 
I wish I could spend time with John and I wish I could be his advisor because I would tell John some things and I would say, John, if you're looking at Floyd Mayweather as like a role model, we need a new role model because John's a great guy. John, to me, I think the thing I love most about John Jones at the beginning was he seemed so humble. He would win and he, he would, he was never like, he never, like, he would talk smack in a, like, sort of a veiled way. Like, yeah, I came in and I, I did what I was going to do, you know, and, and dominate. That's what I, that's what I came here for. It was never like, I like the, the, the super high confidence, but now he's just, dude, you're, he's not, he's not helping himself. You, we could talk about all the out of the cage problems this guy has. I'd rather just talk about him as a fighter because again, top when, when you talk about the difference between him and Khabib, you know, you, you talked about um, uh, the, uh, the fight with, with Gustafson. How about the fight with Reyes that a lot of people said Reyes won. So what, what John, what are you talking about? John, you're not living in the same reality. We are, this isn't 2017, John. You could be his Jason bit like ever see Hancock. You could be like the Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Telling oh, you, man, uh, somebody like him and somebody like Connor, they they just need somebody that could grab him by the shoulders and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Come on, man, you're better than this. Take a look at Khabib. Why does everybody love to, dude? Why does everybody love a Muslim guy from Russia?" Those are like two things we generally hate in America. Huh? I don't, but I'm saying a lot of people do. This is a guy who's this a Muslim Russian in 2020 America, and we're like, he's the greatest of all time. That that speaks volumes about the human being that is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Okay? John Bones Jones, all Americana, baby. All Americana. And people hate his guts. Same with Floyd. Why do you guys think that is? Do, do you feel good that you're hated? That you're heels of your sport? They pretend it's other stuff too, Joe. Oh, yeah. I, it's the haters. It's always the haters. Oh, the haters. It's not haters. You're a classless fool, and we're not buying it. That's what it is, guys. That's all it is. No, it's not that I do drugs or cheat on my wife or beat women. It's none of those things. It's the haters. It's the man. It's racism. It's whatever else I can point at to say that it's not my responsibility because I'm just not a good dude. I think when you when when you hear someone like Floyd or John talk about race again, look at Khabib, Russian, Muslim. Hello. If if American audiences can get around that guy and they hate you, it's you. It's definitely you. It's got to yeah. be you. You're right. For like the Mayweather and John Bones Jones, I, I think it they they are the most American. The, the only good no publicity is bad publicity. And they are all over the place all the time. So it, it stinks. Maybe that's something more about America. But let me give my top five. For me, the, this list, 
it was all about like well-roundedness as a fighter. Number five, I have Valentina Shevchenko. Only person she really couldn't get past was Amanda Nunes. Uh, and then she's been dominant at this new uh, flyweight divi- women's flyweight division. Number four, Stipe. Um, longest title reign in heavyweight history. Uh, most offenses. Three, that's where I got John Jones. I, I, I hate his guts as a person, but he's pretty damn good in the octagon. Number two, I got Amanda Nunes. She's great. She is dominant. She is the female version of Mike Tyson. And also, she I, I think she's going to continue on for years to come because once her, once her striking and power goes away, uh, I think she's just going to start choking ladies out. And then number one, Khabib, class act, through and through. And also, this fight, like, we didn't really – he did what Justin Gaethje does to other people. He brought the pressure. He came forward. Hang on. Justin Gaethje was reaction. Hang on. What? Shevchenko over Adesanya? Yes. He's really getting into the pounds for pounds, it seems like. So, time out. I, I just uh, want to be clear on this. 12 Elliots might have a shot against Tyson Fury. So, I can't. <laughs> But no. <laughs> so, Jace, real quick, if I were to say you have to take Khabib off your off your pound for pound list, Adesanya. you have Amanda Nunes as the number one pound yes. for pound fighter in the world. Yes, I do. She is. She's a beast. She's dominated two weight classes. No one can defeat her. I'm not. I was just asking for clarification's yeah. sake. Would Would it make a difference if I told you Khabib couldn't be on the list? Would you reconsider one? Two or three? No, no, no. Okay, I respect that. I respect that a ton. I mean, uh, uh, Nunez is my number one. If Khabib's off, and then I'd put in at number five there, Adesanya. It's the point we brought up before. Like, like I mentioned, like I prefaced my uh, list with, it's about being well rounded. And I haven't seen Adesanya's ground game. He's great on his feet. But I have not seen his ground game. And even with his, him being great on his feet, there's still times where he's getting hit. So he, he isn't like he, – he's really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But he isn't like flawless, you know? I don't know if I could fault a guy for not for, – for nobody bringing out his other skills. I don't know that that's – I don't think it's fair to penalize him for that. Rousey wins 10 straight and people are talking about her striking. Well, if she just arm bars everybody – She's on that list. Yeah, same story. I don't care how he's getting it done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right. I get what you're saying. You're you're certainly not wrong. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see if somebody ever has the balls to do it, Jace. If somebody has the balls to try to get this guy in the ground and we find out, you know, what Sonya could do on the ground, obviously he'll, he'll go up higher on your list. And I agree with you. I mean, I complain every week on here about the amount of guys that are just trying to strike uh, with superior strikers. I, I find it mind blowing that anybody would do that. Um, but you're right. I mean, until Adesanya's had a chance to show us, we, we, I guess we just don't really know. Yeah. All right. Now let's get on to part two of who you got. Who is the greatest in UFC history? Who are the four faces you will put on your UFC Mount Rushmore? 
Also, give some background on how did you put it together, starting off with you, Jared. Um, the first one for me is easy. I think if he's not on your list, you don't understand mixed martial arts or the UFC. Um, they used to fight multiple fights in a day. The clock went up instead of down. There were no judges. It was just wait till somebody gives up or gets knocked out or goes away or whatever it is. And um, again, no weight classes. Yeah, and there was a 170 pound, 5'11", 175 maybe, uh, Hoist Gracie, who won 11 straight. And, and that's still a record. He won four in a row and won UFC one. Four in a row and won UFC two. And then won three in a row and couldn't fight for the championship. But came back and won UFC four. But that 11 straight up to that point is still, I think, is still a record today. Hoist Gracie, hands down, nice and easy. That's one. I said when we look back. I think more people will understand how good Khabib was. I understand that now. I think he's on that top four list. Uh, these last two got harder. I think those two separate themselves a little bit. I like Anderson Silva. Um, I think he brought the game kind of to another level. And um, Amanda Nunes. I think uh, Nunes is... Uh, is uh, I... Uh, I, you know, when I went back and forth with Rousey too, as dominant as she was, I the, uh, DJ Mighty Mouse was in this spot. Liddell, it's hard, man. I couldn't fill that fourth spot. I had a, I had an easy, easy time with the first two. I think Gracie and Khabib bookend it for me. Those two have to make your list, and then Silva. I mean, John Jones, if you want to make the argument. Can you stop naming all the people on my list? You're killing me over here. <laughs> God dang you. You're killing me. So I don't like Nunez really that maybe, uh, maybe Silva and Chuck Liddell. I don't know. But Grace. I'll, I'm, let me give you my list because he's yeah, killing me here. I've got, I've got great. I mean, Gracie, the, the reason people even do uh, Brazilian, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it, it, he's the guy. Uh, it, and obviously, like you said, Jared, if you know the sport and you don't have Gracie on your list, you're doing this all wrong. Uh, Chuck Liddell, I think, turned this sport mainstream. I think Chuck Liddell's got to be on this list. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, and, and I love, I, I had a, I had a, Khabib's on my list too. I'm not going to lie to you. He's the greatest of all time. Certainly deserves to be there, which left one opening. And I really struggled with this. And you're going to hate who I put on here. Uh, but I thought a lot about Anderson Silva, but he's one in six since 2012. And he's, he's gotten beaten badly by a lot of people of late. And, 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 and unfortunately, I, for me, the Spiders just, he's, he's, he should have stopped. He should have stopped three fights ago. Uh, it's at the point where it's just getting sad. Um, there was a lot of other guys that I that I thought about to fill out that fourth spot, but my guy, and he's my number one today. I think he's one of the greats of all time. And like I said, I, I hope I hope somebody can help him get his personal situation back on track. I, I think John Jones will go down as one of the greats of all time. And, and until John loses a fight, 
like literally has another L in the lost column. He's one of the greatest of all time. And I know he's been an asshole of late. I, I get that. I, I'm a, I'm a huge John Jones fan and believe me it, it, every time he does something stupid, I'm just like, Oh God, John, you're killing me. But I love the guy. And I think he's just, he's been one of the greats. And I had to, I had to put him on my list. I love that list. Yeah. I, I'm not mad at that list. Khabib, Jones, and Liddell. All right. Mine is actually very similar to yours, Jared. For me, what I did was I broke it down into four categories, the three of which being the main real components of UFC as a whole, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, and striking. And then I did women's for the fourth spot. And all of it, the main criteria I gave, I, I thought of, was the pioneer aspect, the changing the game and seeing and being the, the stepping stone for the evolution of the whole sport of MMA. With that being said, you, you got to start off with Hoist Gracie. He is the first real name, the first big name, first to ever do it. Him and his family created the sport of MMA, and he obviously created Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and like – Every Brazilian jiu-jitsu place, if you don't, have, if it doesn't have a Gracie name attached to it, it's it's not reliable. Yeah, and, many of us didn't say Gracie. We're not reliable. We should protect ourselves. <laughs> yes, Gracie on this. Yes, and then so that was the Brazilian jiu-jitsu category for striking. Anderson Silva. Before Anderson, no one, no one struck like Anderson. No one was that fluid. No one brought like the the mental warfare access aspect with him, like dancing and stuff. He he just changed the game uh, of the whole strike of striking in the UFC. May I interject a quick thought? And ultimately, why I left Anderson out, in addition to the losses, was the Weidman fight. The first Weidman fight will always stay with me no, because yeah. to me, a champion never fucks around in the ring. And the, and the fact that he got knocked out playing around that that's not something that's not something anybody on my top 4 list would have ever done at all. And the fact that Anderson didn't take it seriously in a big moment and lost and it changed his career is ultimately why I had to leave him off my list. I agree with Jace though because this guy changed the game when you see Michael Venom Page and Adesanya and these guys doing these things that's who they remind you of. Mm -hmm. yeah. guy you saw do those things. Similar if there was a fifth Mount Rushmore face he'd be on my list. I, I I again when I had to leave somebody out it came down to I got to leave one of these two guys out who's either going to be Jones or Silva. Yeah. And I thought John's a jerk, but he not in the, not in the ring, not yeah. literally while he's fighting. He yeah. takes it seriously. Anderson plays around. To me, a great champion doesn't get knocked out playing around, and that's why I had to penalize him that one point. If we were going to do this for boxing, would you put Ali? I would struggle again. I think Ali got beat up too much at the end. I I mean, you know, again, you're when you're telling the 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 Mount Rushmore's the greats of all time. I, I would really have to seriously, because again, right? I mean, Muhammad Ali is probably the greatest fighter of all time. Some would say 
he would certainly be in contention, Jace. But at the end of the day, you know, some of the some of the playing around stuff, I, I would I would hold it against him a little bit. So okay. yeah, if we ever play that game, let me know, uh, and and I'll really think more on it. All right, okay. Let me let me finish off my list for the for the wrestling aspect. I, I mentioned earlier this, this is where I put Khabib uh, before it would have been GSP, but Khabib has really changed the the game as far as wrestling, like. He's not laying on top of people, just wasting time, and, uh, and then eventually sinking into submission. He's pounding you down. Uh, he he has his own move called the Dagestani handcuff, where he just grabs your arm and then continues to punch you. So he he has changed the game as far as wrestling. And then for the women's spot, the true prop pioneer of w- the UFC women's division. And I know their last two fights did not pan out as well, but but I got Ronda Rousey here. She set the tone. It, it, it sucks that Amanda Nunes is not a big star as, as Ronda Rousey was, but because she's better, she's a better fighter. But Ronda Rousey did. It, I, I think Ronda Rousey is also one of the biggest. Like Chuck Liddell brought it mainstream, but I thought Ronda Rousey brought it even more mainstream. Yeah. Million percent. And, no, I'm not mad at you for that one. So I round my list out with Ronda Rousey. Right. You know, again, if I were to, if I, I, again, it's not like her name didn't come up. And I, I think when it came to Ronda Rousey, it was also the fact that she was undefeated. Right. I mean, if yeah. you look at Amanda Nunez's record, there's there's a couple L's on there, there's a few L's on there from 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 early on. And she's certainly a different fighter and, and much more dominant than when she started. So you can forgive those. Again, for me, it's hard to forget how quickly Rhonda went from the most dominant force and, and maybe the best pound for pound fighter in MMA to off the map in two fights. Well, that was that was hard. What made this uh, hard for me is to put Gracie and Khabib on it, and then act like two other people belong on that list: male, female, tiger, python, whatever. <laughs> I yeah, see, yeah. I don't see it. I like Gracie. I like Khabib. To put somebody else on there, maybe somebody else is climbing their way now. But man, well, again, when you when you say that, somebody like. Anderson Silva, I, I I get it. Rousey, Nunez, uh, GSP. I mean, those are all all worthy candidates. I think for a lot of these people too, though, obviously not Rousey, but some of these guys are and gals are still going, and and to me can either on, only cement the legacy, Jace, on onto your list or, or or Jared's list, or will fall off and be replaced by two other people. So these are all, I think, I think these were three great lists. I, I don't think you can go wrong with any, you oh. could make arguments for any one of these folks here by a mile, you know, easily. And, and you wouldn't be wrong. Well, and that's it. The only wrong answer was missing Gracie. I think if you'd said Gracie, Liddell, Coter, GSP, Matt Hughes, there's plenty of guys, Rich Franklin, that if you want to throw them in, okay, there was a time I get it. You can make the argument for him, but uh, but missing Gracie was the only way to get this one. Sure, I, I you could even tell me you're not ready to put Khabib on the all time list. You need a couple of years to really let it simmer, and 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 I would be fine with that. I think you're right. I think Gracie, um, 
is probably the only guaranteed guy on here just because of the way this sport started, the way this sport evolved. There was definitely a beginning and then some weird transitional periods. Again, I'm I, why Liddell's on my list, why Rousey's on your list, why Nunez is on your list for very different reasons and for different things that they brought. I love Anderson Silva. Um, it's it. You can't have this conversation without bringing Anderson's name up. And again, putting him on the list, great. Leaving him off the list, understandable too. Um, I think that's what makes this sort of debate so much fun is three guys um, who tend to agree on a lot of things, I think, as we do, just came up with, with three really different lists. So it, it just goes to show that it's all in really how you interpret what this actually means. The face, you know. Is it is it the is it the the forefathers? Is that the is that it? Is it the greatest? I like kind of what you guys did, where it's like big guy, little guy, lady, and then you know all around person. Certainly a cool way to do it. Um, it's tough again when when you know what is the Mount Rushmore? Are those the four greatest presidents? I don't know if that's necessarily how we came to determine who was on Mount Rushmore. You know what I mean? So it's all in, in the interpretation, but I, I think. Uh, I like what you guys did there. Uh, I really do. Made me think a little bit more about mine. Yeah. Played six years. Bo Jackson got injured early. You know, when we talk about the greatest of all time, there are guys in every sport that you can look at and say, well, if you want to argue that, that it's that guy, you know, maybe it's not necessarily based on longevity or, those other things, uh, how many yards you got in your whole career, you know, how many, how many fights you won, how many fights you lost. Um, so it's, yeah, it's tough to determine guidelines when you say who's on that Mount Rushmore because there's pioneers of the game that weren't necessarily a uh, horn, Jeremy horn. That's not a great, great upper echelon fighter, but man, he did big things for the game. It's tough when you're comparing different classes, different eras, different, you know, just different sport kind of even, you know what I mean? When you look at just the way this does that where where MMA started and where it is today, it's such a different sport that, you know what I mean? If if you were to say, here's the Mount Rushmore list and here's the specific set of criteria, I could probably give you a completely different list. I think that's the most interesting part of this is what does Mount Rushmore actually mean beyond yeah. just pick your four favorites of all time? You know what I mean? Like there's so, so many ways to do it. That's what I love about that debate and why I'll have it any week you want to do it. Open-ended criteria. Yeah. yeah. This is something we're going to have to bring back the Mount Rushmore. Love it. Love it. All right. But uh, we just spoke about him. Now he's fighting tonight. Uh. Anderson Silva, the farewell fight, supposedly, as he takes on the 10th-ranked middleweight, Uriah Hall on ESPN+. Plus. Main card starts at 7 p.m. Jared, what are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, this is a dangerous fight for Silva. I think he should have been gone some time ago. I think we just touched on guys sticking around too long. You talked about him not making your list because he's hung out too long. And this Uriah Hall kid is dangerous in every aspect of the game. He's an explosive striker. This is a dangerous matchup for Silva. I don't like it at all. I think 
He should already be gone. And where are you trying to get to? I don't think he can do anything in this fight, win or lose, where it helps his legacy, where it, it adds to his long-term value. Those highlight real things he's done, they already happened, dude. Even if you win this fight, it's probably a decision. And, I mean, it's not. you're just not the same guy. This can't add to... When, when we want to put Silva on the Mount Rushmore, those reasons we want to do it for, those are already set. You can only tarnish them by, yeah. by keeping this up. And Hall is a dangerous man, boy. You ever seen Hall's spinning heel kick? I don't remember who he knocked out with him. Oh, boy. You just seen his whole season of the Ultimate Fighter. He was just destroying people. That was not. <laughs> He's got a couple of those spinning heel kick knockouts. I actually I was watching uh, some video of him last night, and I've seen it a couple times out of him. That that look, Uriah Hall is a very exciting fighter, but he's terribly inconsistent. He's eight and six yeah. in the UFC. Do you watch a guy? You watch this guy's highlight reel, and you'd be like, this guy's got to be like twenty five and zero, and then you see he's fifteen and nine, and you're like. Wait a minute. I'll tell you this though. Um, I, I mentioned one and six since 2012 for Anderson Silva, who gets beat up a lot. The fight with Adesanya, um, I just watched that one again a couple weeks ago. And I'll tell you, to me, you know what I saw? I saw Israel Adesanya going out of his way not to destroy Anderson Silva. That's what I saw. I saw I saw respect in the ring. Adesanya didn't want to destroy a legend. I don't think Uriah Hall will extend him that same courtesy. Uriah Hall he needs a he needs a win like Anderson Silva. And even though this is an aging legend, it's a legend and a huge name on the resume nonetheless. So I don't like this fight for Silva for a million reasons. I already mentioned I thought he should have been gone quite a while ago. He's an amazing striker, 60%, by the way, striker for his career, which is outstanding. But to me, I think I think Hall's just going to be ready. I mean, again, this guy needs this win in a huge way, and I think he gets it done. Um, I think it probably goes the distance, though. I think this is going to be another, another one of those fights where I think, unfortunately, Anderson Silva... He'll have moments where you're like, oh, I remember that. And he's going to get beat up, and he's going to get beat up badly, and I hate watching it every time I see it now. Yeah, the, this I, – I only see this fight going two ways. And you mentioned it, Joe. I, I see Uriah Hall taking the respect and doing the it, uh, Israel Adesanya route where it's like a, a Bruce Lee movie-type fight, and he wins that way. Or we see Uriah Hall from the Ultimate Fighter, and he does some crazy stuff and sends Anderson Silva out on his back. Uh, either way, I, I would love to, for the respect of Adesanya, I want it, I want it to be more of a movie-type fight, but but I just don't know. I, I don't know. It, looking back, Silva's had a great career, and... This is a tough fight. It's going to be tough seeing him put put the gloves down on the the cage. But uh, yeah, his time has gone, came and went, and hopefully Uriah Hall can move on and 
use this as a catapult to put himself up there back in the top of the middleweight division. I hope Hall at least can end it in a cooler way. You know what I mean? It, 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 I mean, again, if he just bangs with, with Silva and he wins a, a close decision, I don't know that this will do anything for either of them, really. I mean, it's certainly a win for, for Hall and be a nice name on his resume, but if he can't, like, do something to really blow people away, I think he's just going to stay there around number 10, you know, un- until the next generation can push him right out of there. So it's a big fight for him. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to boxing live from Las Vegas on ESPN Plus bantamweight title fight IBF WBA champ uh, Anuye Inoue takes on Jason Maloney. We spoke a little bit about Inoue last week, talking about pound for pound top five in boxing. Jared, what do you think of this fight? new nickname came up this week he's the goat he's the goat in a way um (laughs) jason maloney uh you're welcome jason maloney at 21 and one his only loss was to an undefeated emmanuel rodriguez emmanuel rodriguez you'll remember was in a way's last fight he devastated him second round knockout knocked him down four three four times um scintillating performance against an undefeated guy who just met another top five undefeated guy for the right to fight this guy tony schooled me on this guy i've done the research now um at in this weight class with that knockout percentage he's the goat in a way he's a killer he really is this dude is is straight up a monster um, he's got the power, kind of came out of nowhere, won his won a title in his sixth fight, added a second title in his eighth fight. So uh I it is worth noting, uh in a way, by the way, it's been eleven months since his last fight. So he's gonna have to to shake off a, a little bit of rust. Um, I would expect him to land early, see what kind of chin Maloney has. Uh, one would guess, uh probably not one that can hang with uh in a way. Um I think he I think there there'll be a knockout um somewhere towards the eighth round. All right. I, I like that. The, this is I don't think it'll take that long. I, I, I don't know. I'm either. just thinking he's he's gotta get his legs under him, kind of get comfortable. I, and I want to give Maloney a little a little credit for the 21 and one. Okay. Um and assume that this isn't this isn't uh a lot of nobodies, but it now, it, now, it is. Inoue's last fight, he won by second round knockout over that one. Yeah. On Maloney's list, styles make fights, but you know. I, I I've spoke. I, I I mentioned it last week. I'm a sizeist. The the bigger weight class, they just I, I like them more, and I think general public same exact way. These little guys, a guy like Inway with the knockout power, you have to tune in. Like the, the reason people don't like the lighter weight class is because it is so technical and, and they're so fast and 
It, they, they have like longer motors. So it, everything goes to decision. This guy's knocking people out at this weight class. You need to tune in because this dude is for real. And he's going, He's he's got that power that, that brings stardom. There was a guy, Victor Chinian, coming up in those smaller weight classes that was, I mean, he just reminds me of a couple guys that were smaller but packed a punch, man. You don't see it too often. This is this is the type of talent in this small weight class and the type of power you don't see often at that size. He's definitely worth the look. Yeah. the and A great example in the UFC is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He, he had to throw a dude in the air through a suplex and get an arm bar while he's coming down just so people would start talking about him when he broke the record for the longest amount of title defenses. You have to do so much more when you're at this lower weight class to get the clout that everyone else is getting. And, and this guy, first, in a way, definitely, definitely deserves it. But speaking of clout, you want to talk about someone who's getting a lot of clout, Gervonta Tank Davis. He will be taking on the WBA junior lightweight champion, Leo Santa Cruz, live from San Antonio on Showtime pay-per-view. Jared, you've talked a lot about Gervonta Davis. What do you think of this fight? Santa Cruz. I like Santa Cruz all day. I think uh, Tank Davis is one of the most overrated, overrated fighters in the game. And uh, I think Leo, here comes Santa Cruz. Here comes Santa Cruz. <laughs> we'll prove it tonight. And uh, I'll call late, late knockout. Nine, ninth round knockout, let's say. Interesting. Take Cruz, and I think he'll finish Davis. All right. Uh, Look, you know, here's the thing with Davis. He he's a he's a Mayweather protege. So you know what that means? He's just ducking dudes. He was ducking Loma, and and it's funny they asked Floyd why he's ducking Loma, and he was like, "Dude, Loma's thirty two. We can wait on that fight." What? <laughs> Floyd, what does that even mean? Uh, again, I mean, these guys don't want to fight guys in their primes. They want to give you that fight four years after we wanted to see it. And it's well, killing boxing. And we've talked about it before. When Floyd was Davis's age, he'd fought Castillo twice. He fought Corrales. He fought Augustus. He was making his rounds with some of the best fighters in his weight class. Um, and so Tank Davis, if he even wants to live up to Floyd Mayweather's level of competition, which ought to be easy late in his career, but right now you're falling severely short of that mark. So here's the thing. Santa Cruz has a great jaw. He's a banger. He's not a really skilled fighter. If he can take Davis's punches, he can win the fight. And I know we'd all love to see it happen. <laughs> this is yeah. Broner-esque. 100%. Listen, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but I, I, have, I am very unsettled about this fight. I, I think 
Gervonta Davis is going to win by decision, but an unjust decision. I, I think we're going to be coming here next week talking about this fight and talking about how Leo Santa Cruz was robbed because Gervonta Davis is that protege of Mayweather. And I he should has mention a little bit of a name. I should mention I actually have Davis by decision written down here because I do expect it to be some BS where Mayweather's guy pulls it out because I don't think Santa Cruz has the knockout power and I don't think Davis can knock out Santa Cruz. So I think it does go to the cards and I think it's going to be like you said, Jace, one of those were like, come on, no way, and I hate that that's, that's what I'm expecting because mm-hmm. it's a boxing. If this was UFC, I would not be expecting this, but it's boxing. And that's just where boxing's at now. And it sucks. It really sucks because this is going to be a great fight. And I, I'm sure Santa Cruz is going to come out and he's going to be ready. And he's going to bring his A game. But just my my brain says he's going to get robbed. That's a, that's, that's a decent prediction. I mean, that's that's a, you're right. It's the money guy. That's the name. Javante Davis is the name. If you're if you're interested in going that route as a judge, this would be one of the times something like that would be uh, in the cards. Yeah, that's a good prediction. So yeah, that's square. All right. Uh, before we move on, some other noteworthy fighters in action. On the UFC fight card, the co-main event, Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Feely. That's going to be a great fight. Also, I, I don't want to talk about this, but it, sports, it's relevant. Greg Hardy's in action also on that card. And then uh, in the co-main event of the ESPN card, in the co-main event of the ESPN fight, uh, the – WBO Women's Junior Lightweight Champion Iwa Brodnaka versus Michaela Meyer. Um, Regis Prograce is also on the Showtime pay-per-view card. Uh, and then also on the zone, heavyweight contender Alexander Usyk's in action, as well as Savannah Marshall and Hannah Rankin to battle for the vacant WBO women's middleweight title so fights all over the place this weekend can i just fire out a quick thought on uh my guy alexander usek who is 17 and 0 with 13 knockouts making the, the move up to um heavyweight and here's the thing i think usek's not big enough and he's not strong enough you know he might be the best cruiserweight in my opinion since evander holyfield um, he's the first three-time champion since, or the three-belt champion uh, since Holyfield, and, and Holyfield didn't have the WBO; it wasn't recognized back then. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just super concerned that this is just this is one of those times where a guy is put himself in a place where his skill set. You know, I'd love to see Usyk get a win and 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 get on a roll. It's uh, Loma's best friend and, and chess mate, but I think he's a great cruiserweight. I'd love to see him become a great uh, uh, heavyweight, but it, we'll see what happens. Ho- hopefully, uh, he gets on a roll with this weekend. It didn't didn't look good in his uh, in his 
first uh, his debut as a heavyweight. So we'll see what's up. And this is a guy I put on a pound for pound list. And much of what you just covered is why. I mean, will he be able to succeed at heavyweight? But no. But in his weight class, uh, furious. Now, this guy's fighting uh, Derek Chirosa. Lost to Vitaly Klitschko, lost to David Hay, twice to Dillian White, twice to Tyson Fury. Um, so his losses are legitimate. Uh, I think Usyk will win the fight, and I think he'll use it to establish himself in the heavyweight division. I think his boxing will come through, but I, I think against a guy like Fury, you're right, he's too small. I also wanted to touch on uh, Chisora, suspended for four months in 09 for biting an ear. Foul missed by the official. He, went on he spit on both of the Klitschko brothers. I mean, spit. Sl- yes. He's a... That's all this guy. Broke out in a brawl in the post-fight interview <laughs> with David Hay. A uh, pub- uh, plastic bottle hit him, and he ch- tried to run through people. Threw a table at Dillian White. Yeah, so there's a list here of this guy being a really cool guy. Um, this guy's a boxer? This isn't from the WWE? No, no, this is real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This is the guy who's explaining. <laughs> So I expect Usyk to win, but as I say, he struggled with injuries, and this guy has no problem making things dirty inside and outside the ring. So, Put it to you like this. If Usyk doesn't dominate or, or even win this fight, for that matter, I think he's got to seriously consider going back to where he came from because uh, so far not – you know, the other thing is he's been getting injured in training. Uh, like the extra weight, the extra sights, it, it's not really translating for Usyk. And it's just because I love the guy. True. Be, be who you are. You know, he's a small guy. He He's about the size of, say, Lu, Joe Lewis or Muhammad Ali. Um, not a big dude, right? Uh, kind of on par with Holyfield. Those guys were more powerful punchers than he was. That's how they were able to survive in the heavyweight division. You ever seen this little kid on the soccer Yeah. <laughs> yep. They're trying. They're trying to run, but they they grew too fast. So they're like, you know, a foot and a half taller than everybody else, but they don't understand how to work their body. <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you're that age and you jump up that and, and in weight class like that, you know, whenever I hear in the NFL, running back put on fifteen to twenty pounds in the off season, so that he'll bulk up and be able to run people over and avoid injuries and it's like he's if you're not that size and you're not used to moving at that size i don't expect you to be able to just keep putting on more and holding more without being a little awkward with that extra stuff and i think that's kind of what we're getting from music you're trying to come up and get these big name fights and it's make some money toward the end of your career you know a long illustrious amateur career and uh, yeah, best of luck. I hope he gets through this guy. This is not the guy you want when you fight to this Chisora guy's character is trash. Yeah, the, the best we can hope for is Usyk comes in, gets the win, and he ends up being that fourth competitor in the heavyweight division. Can you imagine fight with him and Fury or Joshua or Wilder? That'd be great. But you got to get past. You, you got to get up the steps before you're at the top. I'd like to see him with the turbio. Usyk's put on 17 pounds. 
That's a lot. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not conducive. You need time to adjust, you know. And and you're talking about a size that you've lived your whole life. Yeah. Can't adjust that fast. Yep. So that's going to do it for fights for this weekend. But we are going to end the show like we always do. And my man Jared hit me with that flurry. Giving flowers, hugging, crying, and saying I love you. Um, giving flowers, it's kind of a, a funeral reference. You show up and give flowers. And this is just uh, just some sensible advice to give your flowers today, not to wait for it. If you love someone, tell them about it. We touched on Khabib's father dying before his last fight. And... Um, Khabib's retirement and as I'm watching all of this unfold and I'm brought to tears hoping that he had a chance to say everything he wanted to say to his father he'd gotten to say the things while his father was alive to hear them I've had times where I was found myself in the hallmark section of a store trying to find a card that could somehow reach into the afterlife and and cross cross the grave through through a spouse or the person closest to them and somehow get those feelings across for what I wanted to say you know times I'd I'd waited too too long to give flowers um the younger brother of a kid I grew up with just overdosed this weekend my aunt just uh survived a life-threatening ordeal and is home thankfully recovering now and one of my closest friends, a member of the Scrub Scraps Board of Directors, uh, we just found some stuff out. He needs emergency surgery. And this is this is all in the last week. Um, now, I had times that I, that I just touched on where I had a lot of trouble uh, um, giving any flowers, showing any kind of emotion in any way like that, and ended up feeling um, remorse and guilt that I can still feel to this day. Whereas if any of those people were to go, um, if this good friend of mine I'm talking about were to pass, it would be traumatic. It would be a loss that I can't even describe, but I would be comfortable that I've said the things to him that I wanted to say, that I've given him his flowers, that I wouldn't be standing there trying to talk to his wife about how much I love a kid because he knows, because I told him. I'm comfortable with, with, with what I've done. And I have the solace of knowing that I said what I wanted to say. So giving flowers, give your flowers today. Don't wait. Let them know. On to hugging. This is going to sound crazy, but here's what goes on subconsciously when we hug each other. We're soothing and desensitizing the darkest, earliest, and most traumatic experiences for one another and conditioning each other to believe our existence on earth is okay. Now, I know that sounds like a stretch for a simple hug, but why do we squeeze and rock back and forth and pat each other? We ease an individual's trauma by returning them to a place of comfort after the traumatic event, and the fact is the darkest, earliest, and most traumatic event in any of our lives is our birth. You think about the sensory shock that must play take place during your birth. You're going from darkness to lights. Sounds go from, from muffled and, and dull to loud. 
and crisp. There are smells and tastes. You're breathing air for the first time instead of fluid, and that fluid is coming out of your lungs and your throat and your nose and your ears. And that sounds like it would be pretty traumatic for any of us right now today as full-grown adults, let alone as our first experience in the world as a newborn baby. Now, I said we ease an individual's trauma by returning them to a place of comfort after the traumatic event. So how do we comfort a newborn baby? We hold it tight and close to us to simulate the warmth and comfort of the mother, of the mother's womb. We pat them rhythmically to simulate the mother's heartbeat, and we rock back and forth to simulate the feeling of living inside a fluid, and we simulate the sound with our hushes. Somewhere inside everyone you know lies a newborn baby who may or may not have had enough of those things given to them during their infancy, but who either way still needs them now because we never outgrow that need. And when we hug, we're soothing and desensitizing our darkest, earliest, and most traumatic experiences and conditioning one another to believe our existence on earth is okay. Unfortunately, we don't do nearly enough hugging, crying, or saying I love you as a society as we should. In the same way, we condition little girls to believe they're ugly because they're not seven and a half feet tall with triple D cups like Barbie. We condition little boys to believe there's something weak or homosexual about showing normal human emotions. I'm going to steer around what happens when these become trademarks in a society because I'm a solution-oriented person. So I'm going to instead cover how we fix it, and we fix it by becoming and raising leaders strong enough to give flowers, strong enough to hug, cry, and say, I love you. Strong leaders who can normalize these things and make them okay for everyone. Strong enough leaders to publicly show the emotion, answer the questions, face the judgment and ridicule. Strong leaders like Joe. As I'm watching Khabib retire and talk about his dad and thinking about giving flowers as in a funeral, I thought about Joe on last week's show saying, you talk to anybody about Scrub Scraps, ask anybody who's affiliated with them about Jared and they'll go to war with him right now today and it's a measure of his character. And these things you, I, I hear and they make me believe I'm good and worthy and therefore inherently by feeling good and worthy, I become a better human being. They make me better by believing I'm good and worthy. They're the kinds of things you want somebody to say at your funeral, but you wouldn't mind hearing before them. So thank you for the flowers, Joe. I love you. And now, special guest from my co-host on Throwing Job, Jabs podcast, from my co-host and wife, special guest five-question interview for the flurry, introducing my wife, Erica Jones. What's up, Erica? Hi. Okay, question one. How often do I cry? A lot. <laughs> at least once a day. Probably once a day. True Jimmy V fashion for anybody who's scoring at home. Do you remember how you felt the first time you saw me cry? And can you describe what you were thinking? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I was a little, I guess you could say turned off. I was, um, why is this grown man crying? Men don't cry type of thing. 
Um, but the more I got to know you and cry with you, I just learned how passionate and amazing you really are. Um, and being able to shed those tears and have those emotions as a man is, um, it's really impressive. And um, I've just never connected with anybody the way I've been able to connect with you. <laughs> and I think some of that has to do with crying together. Well, you kind of answered it, but when I cry now, how do you see my tears? Beautiful, passionate, powerful. I think you answered all of my questions. <laughs> oh, last one. Do you believe your ability to display more your emotions more comfortably adds to your overall level of happiness in your life? They say holding, um, holding things in is bad for you, and that is so beyond true, and um, being able to express them is so good for you. So crying is really, really good for you. Thank you. Thank you. So if you have somebody like a Joe or an Erica in your life, and a foundation to be emotional. Give your flowers today. Hug, cry, say I love you. These activities are measures of your strength, not weakness. They are foundations for your happiness and they are the most valuable things you will ever give or receive in your life. Thank you guys. Um. It's funny, uh, you know, just to sort of follow up with what Erica said. I mean, uh, and I've never had an issue with it. I never thought, wow, this isn't manly enough. Jared and I get together often enough uh, when we sit and we talk. And every conversation, Jace, ends up with us crying, like, and a hug, you know? And uh, I don't... um, I think Jared or I will punch anyone's face in that, that would even laugh or question at what we're doing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We're an emotional species, man. And to me, the people that struggle the most are people who don't have an outlet, who don't feel loved, who don't feel like they can cry, who aren't comfortable being themselves. And it's a really sad thing. Jared and I had a meeting here at my house here the other day uh, and our meeting had to be interrupted and my brother was here helping with some, some research for this show. And, uh, I said to my brother, I go, I'll leave you guys be, I'll be back in about 40 minutes. This guy's going to have you crying in minutes. Um, and it seemed my brother went out of his way to not talk about emotionally charged items just so that he wouldn't cry in front of Jared. But, um, I'll tell you this, you know, you talk about the flowers. I mean, my brother's a huge boxing fan. He, he, he loves combat sports. Um, and when I was first asked about coming on this show, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to need your help, bro. I, I'm going to need your analysis and, and, your, and your help. And um, I see my brother every week now. My brother comes over. My brother's a big, and I thank you, Tony, for watching the show. And uh, he loves Jared. He's a big fan of you, Jace. Um, he was a, a fan of the show before I even came on it. 
um, and and does a lot of great research. You know, you heard Jared uh, reference it um, a little bit earlier on. He he's given us some really great insights. Um, and and through like through this show, like I I have a relationship with my brother again. Uh, and it's and it's a beautiful thing, and it's uh, just another another thing that Jared Jones uh, and his crying stuff made happen. So. <laughs> Thank you. I know my mom and dad appreciate that a lot too. Well, so I, just, um, I, I always saw a kind of reference like what a better place to do it when I talk about strong, ambitious leaders trying to normalize these behaviors. What a better place. And my father made a made a comment the other day. You need people to lead the way that people are going to listen to. And Elliot, my son, you know, he's 14 months now, but Papa says, he's going to be real emotional guy and he's going to be real sensitive and he's not going to have trouble doing any of those things. And he'll also be able to kick the other guy's ass 95% of the time. So what better place to say, ah, <laughs> what better place than a boxing podcast and a boxing club and boxing trainers and guys who could also kick your ass that could tell you it's all right to cry as a grown man. It's okay to hug each other. I love yous are okay. Those are those are things we need. And most of us got too little of that when we needed it the most. So so to neglect it to 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 not give it to each other today when it's free and easy just means to to continue out the dysfunction that was handed down to us. It's funny too, a lot of the times whenever I see Jared, I, I'm I'm always I've always been a handshake to the hug guy anyway. And I'll put my hand up. This dude ain't even having it. <laughs> he just like nah nah nah. You bringing it in, bring it in, and it's just right straight to the hug. Uh, my, uh, my brother and I hug and, and and we kiss each other when we part ways. You know, um, again, laugh. My brother and I will kick your ass. You know what I mean? Like it it it. it this is nothing to do with toughness. Th th to me, I think if if you are a man. There's nothing you can't do, and you should believe there's nothing you can't do right on down to crying and right on down to being emotional. And you're right, man. You know, we live in a we live in a world now, you know, where tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's guaranteed even less than it was in, in a couple of years ago. I mean, it, we're, we're facing a, a worldwide pandemic. Um, you're right, Jared. Give your flowers now. Tell your boys you love them. Tell your brother you love him. Uh, to, to me, life's too short for like, this is, I think, why I, I find the, the 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 Mayweathers and the John Joneses of the world so tight. Life's so short, man. So, so short to like, to waste your time on petty shit is, it, it I, I don't understand it. I really don't. I, I, I don't get it anymore. You know, I, I think, I think when you look at the, the situation this country is in, you know, I, I've adopted a rule, and I, I, I share it on some of my other podcasts. I did for my students at uh, Connecticut School of Broadcasting this morning. I have one rule in life. It's the one commandment. Don't be an asshole. I think if you t uh, approach every situation and you take the Joe Aguirre only commandment of don't be an asshole and you apply it properly, life will be so much better for you and everybody around you. I'm going to mangle this quote, but even if you are religious, I mean, the, in, in the Bible for Christianity, there's a line that says something along the lines of, if you're only going to follow one rule, love one another. So, you know, my papa says, give everybody hugs. 
You know, I used to think he was talking about my sisters and my mom when I was a kid. Everybody hugs. Okay, Dad, I'll hug my sisters. You know, and then for a while I thought he was talking about my family, you know, when Trin was a kid. And then I realized this is a this is a life thing that he's telling me that, you know, we just need more of that in the world. So be a pioneer for it. It's good advice. Give everybody hugs. I love that too, Jared. Be a pioneer. I mean, be the guy that leads by example, you know. And again, I think Jared and I do a really good job of just crying everywhere we go. <laughs> <laughs> I realized it as, as my work. I mean, shout out to Phil Benito and CSC Services, but we have a boardroom where we do hiring, firing, interventions, and I mean, a lot more tears have been shed since I got there, you know, but it's another leader, another strong, when I say Phil, I'm talking about a strong leader in a position of power that makes it look okay for other people to have those regular human emotions. You know, and and at some point, be happy in their lives based on their ability to share them. I think that's why I thought uh, uh, Erica would be a, a decent uh, um, addition to what I was trying to say here, because her attitude of being embarrassed for me to realizing it's a measure of my strength. You know, he's crying. Yeah. Well, he must be weaker than other men. And here we are, you know, eight years later, and she's, oh, this is a measure of his strength when I see him cry. This is his passion. This is why he gets things done in the world, because he has that. You know, it's a totally different view. And uh, I think if we all could make that transition, we'd be happier. It'd be a, it'd be a nice place to live. Sure. Yeah. If it is genuine and coming from the heart, there's no shame in Showing your affection and emotion. And I know right after this, I'm going to go hug my little brother and sister and tell them I love them. Well, we love you, Jace. Love you guys, too. I made him do it. <laughs> but uh, that's going to wrap it up for Throwing Jabs. Thank you, Jared and Joe, for joining me. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Clovercrest Media. This part of the CMG Podcast Network. If you are interested in starting your own podcast, go to clovercrestmedia.com to get all the information you need there, or you can just look at the screen right now. Or if you are looking in, looking for podcasts, check out clovercrestmedia.com. There's sports, there's comedy, there's murder mystery, there's everything you got. Check it out. Uh, you, you're not going to regret it. And we got a special treat to end the show. Happy Halloween, guys. And this is a special treat from our own Jared Jones. Forty-seven shots. Knock, knock. Ready or not? There's a psycho in the ring, a scary movie exorcist. Your host, come see what lies beneath at the cabin in the woods. Let me in for Halloween. I'll tell you tales from the hood. 
If you promise not to scream, I was with carrying some freaks. Driving in Christine with the lights out, and I'm shit on Friday the 13th. Took a wrong turn to swerve, cause I couldn't see a thing with the Shannon and a nine and a son to trick or treat. Jar and then I run from cover and leave the others with a grudge, cause I still know what they did last summer. Creep through the mist and the fog as darkness falls through the tall grass down a path I saw. So don't a blob in my mind split during the descent, so I'm cheating death. Don't hold your breath. Got revenge with the undead, Hellraiser, Candyman, Jason, and the boy from the sixth sense. Took a stand in zombie land with the queen of the damned and broke the jaws of seven lost boys with idle hands. The invisible man broke in silence of the lambs. This purchase for the purse. Get out while you still can. Don't look now, don't run, don't breathe now. Just hush these voices. You can't trust they're strangers. You're the guest, here's the invitation. Your final destination's with us from dawn till dusk. We gnaw it up. Dead awake, the slumber's over. Keep your child's playing funny games in a quiet place through midsummer till next October. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event.